Welcome to the Fantasy Affair. What's up, my Fantasy Affairians? Welcome into another fabulous episode of the Fantasy Football Affair podcast. I am your host, Burke. You can find me at Twitter at EricBurkeholder6. I am joined, as always, by Bradley the Stickler. You can find him at FFBourbonDude. We're going to continue our divisional breakdowns. How's it going, Brad? Oh, I'm living the dream. Having a little bit of smoke wagon. Uh, Looking forward to getting to talk to an old friend of mine who I used to dominate on the basketball court. He's still out trying to play some game, but we'll we'll see how we'll see how his game translates to tonight. So I'm excited. It's going to be a good show. I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to let him handle his business. Uh, as promised, we're bringing on Sam Gordon. That is Sam underscore Gordon. You can find him on Hot by Happy Hour. You can find him on the website. Uh, nothing but a ball of energy. Let's see if he lives up to the billing that we have filled. How's it going, Sam? Sorry, I had to finish throwing up in my mouth from what Brad just said because I guarantee. He has never dominated anybody on a basketball court, let alone me. Doing doing well, Eric. Good to uh, good to be on the pod. I appreciate it. One correction for you: it's at Samuel underscore Gordon, Samuel, not Sam. So hit me up for anything you want to know, cigar related, bourbon related, uh, scotch related, whatever the case may be. So just got to get that one fixed out there. Yeah, and whoever is at Sam underscore Gordon, you're welcome for all the follows make sure you follow back our listeners uh yeah like i said last week we talked about the nfc east and west we broke that down we're going to continue now to the nfc north and south but we're going to open up with whatever what's on everybody's mind we're going to talk about the julio trade rumors here now if he is released after july 1st they're going to eat 17 million uh they're going to open 17 million in cash space but they're going to eat more than 20 and they'll be giving up one of the best wide receivers in the NFL even today. Man, you guys think Julio is going to get moved? Uh, do you think he's home? And if he does move, where do you want him to go, Brett? I don't think he gets moved. I think it's silly. It's hard to take what he says, though, and think that he might not. The dude's at the end of his career. He's 33 years old. You still saw him dominate when given the opportunity last year, but I think they figure out a way to make him happy and give him an op- the opportunity to continue to be the alpha there in Atlanta. I can't believe you said, I don't think he's getting moved, but it's hard to hear what he says and think he's not. That is the definition of hedging. Sam, you got any takes on this? Is Julio moving? And if so, where does he go? Dude, he's got to get moved. I mean, the quote was, I'm out of here right that's what he said on fs1 i'm out of here so i mean it doesn't get any more clear than that right uh where he goes i think everybody's got to be interested in him i mean 32 years old so he's getting up there in age but at the same time the dude still got something that that uh, a lot of receivers don't i saw one rumor i don't know if i would if i would necessarily take it but it was chanel for uh in a second for for julio i mean it would help jacksonville that's for sure. It's a short-term thing. Um, you know, is that the is that the guy to put him over the edge or put him over the top with uh, with Trevor Lawrence? I don't know, but you know that that would be interesting. It definitely make Jacksonville more interesting. Yeah, I saw somebody talk about the Colts. I saw somebody mention that, which would be interesting. You're looking at a playoff team who could use a wide receiver to help really put them over the top, right? You talk about Jacksonville; those guys are they're not a playoff contending team. The Indianapolis Colts, on the other hand, are. Their defense is built to win. They've got Carson Wentz, who's got playoff experience and starting experience. Yeah, they've he's got, got starting Taylor. experience. He doesn't I mean, have much playoff he's got experience. He got, he got through almost that whole first quarter. 
That's for sure. <laughs> so I, I think it's an intriguing location for him. I just, it's hard to see somebody paying a first round draft pick that Atlanta's asking for right now. And now it looks like it's going to, they're going to settle for a second, possibly because that's the best they can get. There's only eight teams with enough money to uh, roster Julio. That is the Jaguars. So that's, that's, that's interesting. I know, I don't know if it would help them. They might make the playoffs in that division because we know Houston's out, right? So it's just really them and Indy and maybe Tennessee who just lost a ton of weapons, aging Derrick Henry. It's conceivable that they could sneak in with the extra team uh, in the 17-game season that we have coming up. But it's the Jags, the Jets. It's kind of the same thing. Do you want him to be there for your rookie because you know you're not really in it? The Broncos who do crazy things. The Bengals who are loaded. Lions, we're not making the move. Chargers, Kind of the same thing, 49ers and the Browns. So out of those there, man, it, it looks like the Jags will be on there. And now he's rumored to the Patriots, right? He's rumored to the Patriots. How would you guys feel about that? I mean, he, for whatever reason, thinks that Matt Ryan has lost a little touch on his arm but wants to go play with Cam Newton. So to, to me, it's the most Bill Belichick move ever, right? Bring an aging guy who you think is on the downhill side of his career, bring him in and let him just show out. Um, you know, I could, I could see it happen and I could see it being an success for two, three years, kind of like the Randy Moss experiment a decade ago. Yeah. And what they tried to do with Antonio Brown, Brad, do you think there's any shot he goes to goes to play for the Patriots? I, I don't know how that situation's any better for him, right? It, it doesn't make sense to me why he would want to go from Atlanta to new England. It's, it's not better quarterback play. It's not a better overall team. It's not better playoff chances. I just don't see where the, the benefit is for him there. So I agree with the roster makeup, but you got to believe that any team coached by Bill Belichick has a better chance of making the playoffs than just about any other team that's not loaded in the NFL, man. Um, and he wants to go play for a title. So that kind of makes sense. I think it's a bold strategy there. You're kind of betting on the coach, but I'm not going to bet against Bill. Uh, let's start right here with the NFC South and the team he would be departing, the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta hires Arthur Smith. Uh, he's the head coach now. He was the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. We saw him uh, bump t Ryan Tannehill from a nobody and uh, should have been washed up, has been, to a top eight quarterback in fantasy and a couple of playoff bursts. Uh, they still have Matt Ryan. They restructure his contract. And, and we know that if Julio leaves, Calvin Ridley is going to bump up. Let's start with Matt Ryan uh, under the assumption that Julio Jones is out of town. Do you think Matt Ryan has top five quarterback upside this year, Sam? I don't think he has top five quarterback upside with Julio Jones. I think uh, you, know, you go through the list in your head and you've got the, uh, the Allens, the Murrays, the Mahomes, the Wilsons, the Jacksons that – that already makes a top five plus some of the fringe French guys that are out there. So um, no, I don't, I don't see him top five. Could he get there? I mean, I, yeah. I mean, that was the question that you posed. Could he get there? Sure. There's a chance. It's not a 0% chance that he's, that he's not there, but I, I can't foresee it. Brad, how you feeling? Yeah. I, as hard as it is for me to say this, I think I'm for the most part agree with him. The rushing upside quarterbacks are going to make it very hard for an immobile Matt Ryan with potentially no Julio to be a top five quarterback. Now he's been the, you know, top five, a couple times he's been number two, he's been six, seven, a few times, right. He's always on the cusp there, but getting into that top five is going to be really hard unless he's, you know, he's putting up a, you know, Aaron Rodgers type season where he's throwing 40 plus touchdowns and 4,500 yards with very low interception rate. Hey, hey Brad. So you said that's without Julio 
What about with Julio? What? I, I, I don't know that it's much different, uh, to, to be completely honest. He, he still had a really freaking solid season. He threw for 4,500 yards. He had 26 touchdowns. And Julio's never been that touchdown machine. He's been a yardage machine. So all that's going to do for him is remove him in that 4,800-yard range. But he, if he's still in the low 30 touchdowns, he's still not touching the top five. He's not even close to it. Yeah, if you're not running for more than 500 yards, it's, it's tough to crack the top 10, period. I mean, Tom Brady last year, for more than 4,600 yards and 40 touchdowns, he was QB7. So top five is going to be extremely difficult to obtain, but we know he's going to play, and he's going to play well, and he's got some pass catchers there. Anyways, let's talk about Kelvin Ridley and who would be the two. Now, Kelvin Ridley, without Julio Jones for his career, has had more than 100 yards a game. The guy looks like he's developed into a true alpha. He showed out. He was wide receiver five last season, but we have not seen him have to be the guy on a consistent basis. Do you think this is going to help Kelvin with the increased target share? Do you think it hurts him? Because Julio's impact on an offense, it, it cannot be undersold. Perhaps he doesn't score the touchdowns when they get in the red zone, but he sure shit gets them in the red zone way more because he's on the team. So Sam, how do you feel about Kelvin Ridley? And if you had to name the number two, is it, are they going to be relevant? Yeah, I don't think it hurts Kyle, uh, Calvin Ridley, I think it, it stays the same. I, I think you can expect uh, that probably four to eight level of production. So, so not a significant drop off if there's a drop off at all. Uh, I, I would be completely satisfied with him. And I think the number two is Kyle Pitts. I think the dude's a matchup nightmare. You've got Russell Gage there. Um, you know, is he ready to step into the the number two role as a wide receiver? Well, he's going to have to be. But I still think the skill set that that uh, Pitts brings to a team. He's it's it's something that we probably haven't seen since Vernon Davis uh, back 10, 12 years ago when he was drafted running a 4-3-40 as a tight end. Uh, I think he was out of Maryland and just absolutely ridiculous. And I think his first couple years, nobody could figure out how to match up with him. And I think Pitts is going to end up being the same type of thing. Brad? Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I, I like Russell Gage. You've seen him produce on the field with Julio, with Calvin Ridley. Once one of them is off the field for injury purposes, he's been able to step right into that role and produce very solidly for somebody. You've also got Olamide Zacchaeus, right, who's put up some decent games, but I still think that Russell Gage would be the primary wide receiver too. Uh, but it's hard to, to say – he's going to be the second next producer when you've got a guy like Kyle Pitts on the field. You expect him to come in, and he is getting glowing reviews already from Matt Ryan. So you've got to think that they're going to be looking to get him the ball early and often, uh, and it's going to be the Calvin Ridley-Kyle Pitts show for the most part. So do you even really care about the rest of those guys? And yeah, nice, go, sorry, ahead, go ahead, Sam, no, go ahead. Uh, and, and I would say it, it's even better with so many teams having a tight end or so many leagues having a tight end premium. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, you know, not just even straight numbers, but you talk about the fantasy scoring aspect of it. Yeah, Kyle Pitts is a physical specimen. For those that don't know, he turned 21 after he was drafted. He's 6'6", runs a 4'4", 440. Uh, he's 245 pounds. He outproduced Van Jefferson and Kadarius Tony, who went in the first and second round over the last two years. Uh, he was playing with Kyle Trask, who is a quarterback that probably won't make it in the NFL, and he was still putting up ridiculous numbers in the SEC dominating uh, we'll get to him in a second. I want to just focus on Russell Gage because I got a special place in my heart for Russell. For those that don't know, in eight starts in full 16 games last year, he had 109 targets, caught 72 of them for 786 and four TDs. So 
he is a wide receiver three period. And if given the second role, I mean, in weeks 13, 14, 15, 16, something like that, he was putting up 10 plus points in every, every game. And he 100% is attainable. So if you do believe that Julio is out, you know, Kelvin really is going to cost you an arm and a leg. <laughs> the things people want for Kyle Pitts are laughable. So if you want a piece of that offense, there's a couple routes you can go. You can go with one of the running backs if you believe they're going to be the day one starter. And Russell Gage has to hit your radar. Uh, let's talk about Kyle Pitts pretty quickly. We know he's just, dude, he's he's going to dominate, right? He is set up for success in an offense that throws the ball way north of 600 times a year. And he is going to play with Matt Ryan for two more years. Julio, whether he stays or not, is 32 years old. He will be 33. So Kyle Pitts is set up for success. How far, far up do you think he rises in dynasty rankings from year one to year two? Because he is already in the top three or four on almost everyone's board. Do you think he can take the number one spot, Brett? It's ridiculous. He's already there. The way that people are valuing him in dynasty is asinine. If you have him, and this maybe it's crazy, sell him. Because people treat him like he's already the tight end one. The dude hasn't even touched the friggin' NFL field yet. He's not even close to it yet. We're we're three months away from the start of the season, and this guy, I tried to obtain him in a tight end premium league. I offered a quarterback needy team, Deshaun Watson, because I've got four starting quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson and a first round pick, and he's like, that ain't enough. Well, okay, so I turned around and I offered T. Higgins a first and a second because I was deep in the wide receiver position. No, nah, man, that's not enough. What What is the value of this guy right now? That's what I want to know because right now, if I had him, I'd be selling him at that value because you could obtain Darren Waller or George Kittle for half that right now. It's nuts. It's I don't absolutely know about nuts. that. Uh, but you, I think what you're seeing, less. I think what you're seeing, well, if you offered me T Higgins in a first and second for Travis Kelsey, and I thought I was going to win the title, there's no way in hell I'm giving up that kind of production for the number right. two. Who's not an alpha eat it. All right. Eat it. Mr. Stickler. Yes. Crazy. Shake your head. This is a different conversation. We'll, we'll cover that in the AFC North. No, maybe. So I think <laughs> what you're finding is the fantasy football community is catching up. Everybody has rankings. Everybody's diving into analytics and stats and watching film and whether it's analytics or, or metrics or whatever you want to, or film, whatever you want to look at for Kyle Pitts, like he just shows out, nothing's wrong. Everything's right. Top five pick highest for a tight end ever goes to Atlanta opportunities, right? Um, Sam, man, how do you think, how, where do you have him ranked or what do you think he will do next season? Do you think he'll be the one or the two? Cause we already know he's in the top five. Yeah, I'll, I'll put him at three. I'll, I'll put him behind Kelsey, and I'll put him behind. You, you always want to lean Kittle, but Kittle can't stay healthy. Um, you know, I'd put him at three, probably probably behind those two. But, you know, there's a chance he can move up to two because of, of what I just said. But you're not going to have him above Kelsey going no. into his age 33 season. No, definitely not. I, hey, I do have a question for you. Yeah. That's, that's, that's relevant for, uh, for both me and Brad. So Brad offered me the number 104 pick in our, our league together for 107 and Miles Gaskin with Pitt still on the board. So I jumped at it to jump up three spots, basically gave up Miles Gaskin. What's your thoughts on that trade? That's a smash. You want to give up people that are temporary to move into a position to get the guy that you want. As far as Brad's concerned, he thinks that he's going to get a 
borderline RB2 with RB1 weeks. The only reason he'll fall to RB20 or something is health issues, right? Because it's a 17-game season. Mm -hmm. uh, so if he's healthy, man, he's absolutely going to go north of 1,000 total yards, and he's going to get at least eight touchdowns. It's just Miles Gaskin isn't special to me. We know that they already put in a waiver claim for Kirion. We know that there are still free agents available. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is available. Todd Gurley is available. Devonta Freeman's available. These are all scrubs, right? Nobody wants them. But if one of them comes to town, now Gaskin has been put on notice. Will he beat them out? How much did they pay him? What is his target, you know, target share? What is his percentage of the backfield going to be? So I love giving up somebody that I don't think next year will have value to move up to get the guy I want. And Kyle Pitts fits that bill. Yep. Brad, do you love the trade or you still regret it, man? I, I didn't regret it. I'm the one who sent it. I was okay with it. Um, I, I'm not a believer in tight ends and their performance in year one. Uh, and there's an opportunity to jump on the dip on those kind of players. So when I can add uh, a guy in a, on a team that can be my third flex uh, as a starting running back on a team that I believe could make the playoffs – and add a rookie running back at that 107, whether it be a Najee Harris, whether it be a Who Travis Etienne, a Javonta Williams, a Travis Etienne. Um, then I look at that and I say, I'm okay with that. I'm okay uh, looking, looking at the running back position who I believe can produce for me right now, whereas tight ends historically don't. And I understand Kyle Pitts is different and everybody thinks he's the, the best thing since sliced bread. I'm just – I'm not a believer in tight end one production in year one. I think that's fair. I think that works out for both teams. Um, and it doesn't matter who you pick it for. I'm just a firm believer in trading somebody that I think is a asset that is losing value from this point forward to move up to get my guy. I mean, at four, he could have gone with other people, Chase or Najee or a quarterback. I, there has to be a quarterback on the board. Uh, yeah. that wouldn't, I, I like the Kyle Pitts pick, but it doesn't really matter to me. The, the, the strategy was sound. The thought process was sound. Right. Let's yeah, talk about a couple more running backs that are right here for the Atlanta Falcons, man. They got Mike Davis. Uh, they got Jarrett Patterson. They got Quadre Olson still on the team who led the team in, in touchdowns last year from the running back positions. And then they go and get JV and Hawkins who I love, but let's be honest, he's an undrafted guy. He's undersized. He's like 183, 185 pounds. Um, doesn't matter how fast you are. If you can't get past the line of scrimmage and that offensive line is shaky to say the least. Is there a running back on this team that you want, Sam? Is there anybody that you're going to get? Or if you have them, are you just trying to flip them for anything, even if it's just a second next year? Yeah, I think there's some upside for uh, for Davis, for sure. Um, and you got to think about the coach that they just brought in. Where'd he come from? Tennessee. And granted, he's got Derrick Henry. It's a little bit different different running back, uh, you know, behind uh, behind the quarterback there. But at the same time, the guy knows how to scheme a running game. So – you, you got to look at the way that coaches move and they're going to bring their offensive philosophy with them. Am I going out to try to get Mike Davis? No, absolutely not. But at the same time, if I, if I thought somebody would sell him low, would I love to jump on it? Yes. I think he's a really, really good buy low target right now. What's low, man. Let me put you on the spot. What's low. What are you giving up? I'd give up a second for him without a doubt. I mean, that's that, that, no question. Yeah, especially if you're if you're playoff caliber, at least believe you are, because then that's going to be the 207 past, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, 201, 23, whatever, then it's debatable. But if it's your own pick and you know it's going to solidify your shot at a playoff. Now, we saw Mike Davis fade down the stretch. Last year, he had 165 attempts. That's the most 
that's the most in his career ever, and it's 53 more than he had in 2018, which is the only other time he breaks 100. He gets less than four yards a clip, but he gets those 59 receptions, and I think that's what we're looking at here in Atlanta, right? Because we know that they throw the ball so much. We know that they could be losing Julio. There are going to be targets available. Brad, do you think Mike Davis is going to hold up for the entire season? Um, I do want to say one more thing. Arthur Smith does say that he scouted this guy coming out uh, when he was drafted. So he is familiar with him and he is a, tar- he was a target of his in free agency. So they definitely brought him in on a two-year deal to play some capacity, but Brad, do you think he can hold up for a year? Yeah, I think he can. I mean, you saw him produce when given the opportunity last year, he stayed healthy. Uh, you know, he played 15 games. So I-, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be able to produce for the entirety of the season and where his value lies is going to be in those receptions. Is he going to get those receptions? Because if you look at Todd Gurley last year, he was sub three and a half yards per clip. Now you look at Mike Davis in Carolina, he was he was like 3.8, 3.9, sub four yards per, per carry. So you got to think he's going to stay in that range because if anything, he goes – he takes a downgrade at the offensive line position. He's going to a team, however, that has pretty similar weapons, not similar in skill set, but there are two solid ass options in Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley, similar to Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson in Carolina last year. So he's, he's not going to be the focal point of defenses, but he didn't prove that he could do it with three wide receivers. So I think he's going to be very similar, uh, but I do think he's probably top 20. He's a, he's a solid RB too, I think. So the, the one thing that, I want to temper what I said with the, the Arthur Smith coming from Tennessee. So one thing that we do have to realize is who they brought in as an offensive coordinator, Dave Ragoni from uh, and, and he's coming from the bears. So you think about the bears offense and how is he going to put his mark on the offense? Cause he's not going to come as an OC unless he can kind of do his own thing and, and kind of got to, got to think about how that's going to, going to play out. Yeah. David Montgomery had some moments, especially there at the end of the year. Uh, that we'll get to and we'll talk about, but at the same time, uh, consistently, wa- consistency-wise, have they really been that good that you can trust a, a running back? So I say that I still, I still would spend that second-round pick, and I still am relatively high on Mike Davis, but got to temper expectations a little bit. Yeah, just to throw a little fuel on the fire, Mike Davis in 2019 played for the Chicago Bears. Okay, he got paid to take that job and couldn't do it. The coordinator was there. Um, so there is a lot of connections here. There's a lot of connections between them. And as much as people dog David Montgomery, he's not special. Mike Davis is about the same thing. We just saw David Montgomery be RB4. Okay. And before that, it was Tariq Cohen, who's just a satellite's pass catcher, which is why Javian Hawkins hits my list here. Um, we saw him be, I think he was RB11 in PPR leagues, got way more than 100 targets. So they are going to target the running back. And I think that's the upside we're playing here. We don't think he's going to be a fantastic back <clears throat> running between the tackles and taking over the the red zone, but we do believe that he's going to get enough dump offs to have a solid floor with the upside of being on a team that's always trailing and has to score a ton of points. Uh, Let's move on to another former team of Mike Davis, the Carolina Panthers. We know what's up with Christian McCaffrey, right? He's a stud. He's a stud muffin. I don't care if you have one, two, three, whatever. Uh, DJ Moore has got back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. He's one of the youngest players to, to accomplish some of the things that he's ever accomplished in his career there we got Robbie Anderson had a fantastic season last year we know that Curtis Samuel's out and they draft Harris Marshall so when you're looking at the Carolina Panthers I think this all comes down to Sammy Darnold getting traded from the New York Jets 
and getting that fifth year option picked up. So he will be the quarterback conceivably for two years. Now we thought that about Teddy when they signed him for three years, but how does Sam Darnold affect the pass catchers, Sam? Like, does he affect just the wide receivers? Will he finally use his tight end and Dan Arnold? Does Christian McCaffrey have any sort of capped upside? What's going on in Carolina? So I love Sam Darnold. I know I'm in the minority. Uh, I would, <laughs> he, he is one of my guys that I want to go get here in the off season. Uh, and I'll go back to even his college days and talk about just the guy's arm talent. Uh, there's a couple passes that he made at USC, especially against Penn State and the Rose Bowl that were just unbelievable where he's putting him into tight windows. And yeah, I understand it's the college game, but at the same time, if you can make that pass in college, you can make that pass in the pros. And uh, he's got the arm talent. Now he's got the weapons around him to produce. I, I really think this Carolina offense is going to be pretty damn good moving forward with, with Sam Darnold behind center. He can push the ball downfield, something Teddy couldn't really do very well. So I would expect an uptick in the wide receivers. I think Christian McCaffrey is still going to catch the same number of balls out of the backfield. I don't think you're going to see much coming from the tight ends because of the McCaffrey factor, taking a lot of those underneath routes away from those guys. But uh, overall, I think the Carolina offense is going to surprise some people with Sam Darnold behind center. So are you betting on the talent of Sam Darnold? Are you betting on the situation? Or are you just riding it out because it's both? And how does uh, Joe Brady play into this? Yeah, it's, it's both. So I think the talent of Sam Darnold wasn't seen when he was with the Jets. I mean, what weapons, what, what talent did he have around him with a dysfunctional organization at the time, playing for Adam Gase for part of the time? I mean, come on, the guy was dealt a shit hand, let's be honest. So now he goes to a, a better situation with better coaching. Matt Rule's a, a solid coach. He's coming from a college system at Baylor that throws the ball a heck of a lot. I think that translates really well to what Sam Darnold does. And then Joe Brady, obviously, with what he did at LSU, loves to throw the ball. I, I think Sam Darnold is going to have a, a great year. How about you, Brad? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Sam and I talked a little bit about this earlier and. Uh, he swayed me a little bit because I, you know, when you look at Sam Darnold, you look at a guy who's, who hasn't even come close to that 20 touchdown mark. So you think about, okay, the offense and the weapons that he had, and he never really had those, just like Sam said. So now he's coming in. He's got DJ Moore, who people are crazy high on. He's still got Robbie Anderson, who can play that deep threat. And we saw him put, a, put together a 1,000-yard season last season. And now they add Terrace Marshall, who can be that red zone threat that they're looking for. They still have Ian Thomas. They bring in Dan Arnold. So what does that tight end look like? Sam Darnold never really utilized the tight end position all that much in New York now that doesn't mean that he can't now but he does have some solid weapons and when you link that to one of uh, one of if not the best running back in the game all around catching and running you can see him put break in that 20 touchdown mark now and throwing 25 26 27 touchdowns I worry whether or not it's going to translate is he going to be able to pick up a new offense now when he's three four years into that adam gay system how quickly is it going to come and how's he going to mesh with these receivers right people will push that that narrative that he's played with robbie anderson before uh, robbie anderson didn't really have good things to say about him in the past so i don't know how great that rapport is right now but uh, you, you can't disagree with the fact that his weapons and joe brady is also probably a better uh, situation than what he had in New York. Is there anyone on this team that you are actually targeting in trades? 
right? Or rookie drafts, I guess, because we know Terrace Marshall's there. We know Chubba Hubbard's going increasingly late due to the fact that if Christian McCaffrey is available, he, he simply won't see the field. Um, is there anyone that you're actually targeting on this on this team? Because we know that Terrace is unproven. Robbie Anderson is dirt cheap. People will never respect him. Um, it's Sam Darnold, man. This is put up or, t- or shut up time. Now, this man had 19 touchdowns in 2019, so he sniffed 20. But he's never had less than 11 picks. He threw nine touchdowns last year. Never had more than – he had 3,024 yards. So never really more than 3,000 yards. This guy, he was dealt a terrible hand, but he has played like a scrub. So is there anyone – if there's an opportunity to buy a DJ Moore or perhaps even a McCaffrey, is there anyone on this list that you're going to target, Sam? So I'm going to start with the back end. If I had DJ Moore, people are so high on him right now, I would be looking to sell him. Immediately. I have no shares of him, unfortunately, but I think you can get an overinflated value for him. Uh, and then, like I said earlier, uh, you didn't mention him. Uh, you kind of went the skill position players, not quarterback, but uh, I am looking to try to get Sam Darnold. I'm actively in negotiations right now with a guy to, to get Sam Darnold in one of my leagues. Badass, man. What are you, what are you trying to give up to get Sammy? Sammy on Sammy action right now. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a big trade. Derrick Henry's involved. Um, so that, that's why the negotiations have been going on for about four days now. Uh, it's, it, if it, if it ends up playing out, it's going to be a pretty big one. It's a big deal. Brad, man, is there anybody on this offense that you're targeting, uh, yeah. at their current value? Yeah. One of your favorite things I'm going dumpster diving and I'm going with the guy you can get in the 12th round of rookie drafts. I'm going with Robbie Anderson, a guy who showed he still can do it last year with, uh, with Teddy Bridgewater. And now you see, you know, you got a quarterback coming in this that Sammy talked about, a guy who's not afraid to throw the ball down the field. DJ Moore is way too expensive, in my opinion. You're seeing him go in the fifth round before Keenan Allens, before uh, Brandon Iukes, uh, you know, Kenny Galladay. You know, a lot of these guys you're seeing him go ahead of, which is crazy in my mind, uh, some of the guys that are being taken after him. So I'm going to go with the value, and that's Robbie Anderson. Fair enough. You're not worried about Sam Darnold or the one-year contract or the connection between the two, which is fleeting at best. Not right now. No. I mean, if I'm, if I'm in championship contention, I'm looking for a guy who can give me that one-year production and take me to a championship and I'll worry about the rest afterwards. Now I know you love to go to DLF and I know you love to look up recent trades and I see you got some notes plugged in here. So do you want to go ahead and ask your questions here? Yeah, for sure. So this is why I talk about DJ Moore and the overinflated value and Sammy led right to it. So DJ Moore or Clyde, a second and a third in 22. I'm taking Clyde, man. I'm taking Clyde straight up. I'm going to take the running back for the Kansas City Chiefs over the quarterback with Sam Darnold. Same. Uh, and yeah, same thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then the next one is a little, a little bit closer in my mind. DJ Moore or Chase Edmonds and Mike Evans. I'm going to take DJ Moore in this one. I'm going to take the youth, the athleticism, the back-to-back thousand-yard season. I know that Sammy's going to I, – I believe Darnold is a wash. I think he's a bust. I think he's going to struggle. That being said, DJ Moore is elite, and he has done it with quarterbacks that I don't think are very good. Like, I love Teddy Bridgewater. He's a fantastic NFL quarterback. He's not putting up enough yards. We still saw DJ go get 1,000. Before that, it was Cam Newton. He got hurt. It's Kyle Allen. Yeah, so I'm a believer in that over Mike Evans, who has set records, and I don't think Chase Edmonds gives you much. I mean, the man's never had 100 yards or 100 carries, never had 100 carries. Sam? Yeah, so I would take the uh, the Edmonds and Evans. 
on in that one. Sorry about the dog in the background. Yeah, I think your dog is trying to <laughs> escape because he knows your takes about to be awful. But uh, explain to me, Edmonds and Evans uh, over the young buck. Yeah, so I think you still got enough time left with with Evans to get some some years out of him. Um, I I think Edmonds is just just puts it over the top. I would I would consider taking Evans over or e Evans for more just straight up. Um, you know, I'd probably ask for a little bit more, but but at the same time, you know, you you get a guy who's gonna who's got some potential in Arizona in Edmonds. Uh, and like I said, I think you still got years out of out of Evans left. Yeah, so you think you're double dipping. You think you're getting the better wide receiver. I mean, six straight thousand yard receive or receiving uh, seasons. Plus, he's connected to Tom Brady for at least a year. It looks like too. He threw 40 touchdowns last year. We know he's going to try and repeat it, right? So you're trying to double dip. You're trying to get the better wide receiver, the, definitely the more established one, and a nice flex play in Chase Edmonds. And he's not old. Evans isn't old. Yeah, Mike Evans is not. Was he 27? 27 finally, years finally old. Finally hit his prime in year six after being a stud. Should have been pro bowler for six straight years. So mm -hmm. that's fair, man. That is fair. I, I just, yeah, that's fair. I might have to reconsider. I'm not a fan of Edmonds. And so when I look between the two, for me, it's just DJ Moore or Mike Evans. And as great as Mike Evans has been on a stat line for a year, he will give you 40 or he will give you one. And that happens pretty consistently. I mean, there's so many games this season where he had one catch, two yards. He just happened to catch a touchdown. So do I think that's going to continue? Yeah, I do. Um, but I think DJ Moore has a more stable floor from week to week, even if it's not on a season long. Let's move on here to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. Super Bowl champions. I just brought up Tom Brady. We know that they've got a slew of wide receivers. They've got Mike Evans, who we just brought up. They also have Godwin and Antonio Brown. It looks like. Fournette and Ronald Jones will split the backfield again. Um, what are your general takes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going forward? Because the, the offense is established and now it's year two and year one wasn't that bad, right? It took a little while to gain traction, but towards the end of the season, it was fantastic. The defense is good. It's definitely good. Um, do you think that this is going to put up a bunch of fantasy relevant people? Uh, do you think it's going to surprise you with people that underachieve based on ADP, Brad? Yeah, I think it's going to be a wealth of fantasy production. If you just look at last year alone, they produced a top 10 quarterback in Tom Brady. They produced a top 12 wide receiver in Mike Evans, plus another top 10 wide receiver in points per game in Chris Godwin. They produced an R, a running back who had 11 games over 20 points, and that's the game that you're playing with Bruce Arians and Tampa Bay. Was it Leonard Fournette game or was it a Ronald Jones game? But if you look at Tampa Bay's running backs, they were in the top 12 as well in 20 points, greater than 20 points per game. So they're just a powerhouse offense, and everyone is coming back. So you look to try to get into that. I think of it very similar to the Kansas City offense. I I want pieces of that offense. Doesn't matter if it's Demarcus Robinson or McCall Hardman or Clyde or J Jarek McKinnon, right? I think very Tampa similar Bay. of Tampa Bay. I don't care if it's Tyler Johnson. I don't care if it's uh, Scotty Miller. I don't care if it's Mike. Like I want pieces to where I can play them when it's evident that I'm going to get production because Scotty Miller produced good games. Tyler Johnson produced good games and so did everybody else on that team. So yeah, I think it's quite possibly the highest producing offense in the NFC, if not the NFL. Yeah, so the, the one thing that concerns me about it is how do you know what you're going to get 
from a week-to-week basis, and that's exactly what Eric just referenced. You know, you could have one catch, six yards, and a touchdown from from Mike Evans, and you can look at the stat line from from Godwin, and it's very, very similar. Who's going to be the guy that gets the targets game to game? Who's going to be the guy that gets the ball in the backfield from game to game? You just don't know, and it's tough to bet on that. Uh, you know, that that's my biggest concern. That's why I'm trying to shy away from the Tampa Bay offense because it, it's it's too unpredictable. Yeah, it's going to put up numbers, but it's the type of numbers that you, you put a guy in your lineup and he gets you damn near nothing. It, it's, it's a tough offense to try to play from a fantasy perspective because you don't know exactly who's going to produce from week to week. I think you're going to hear about this offense repeatedly on Cash Crusade with Brian Craighead. Uh, and I think this is going to be phenomenal for those that play those best ball leagues on underdog. This is an offense you want a piece of. You just don't know what piece it is. I mean, he brought up Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson, I suppose, produced when called upon. It was just he was called upon so shortly. But Scotty Miller did put up some 20-point games. Like, in some leagues that we have a ridiculous amount of flex plays, I did plug him in trying to get that upside because I was projected to lose by so many. I was trying to catch up on the back end and he, he helped me win a couple matchups. Um, as far as the running backs, you don't know if it's going to be Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette on a week to week basis going into the season. But that week, uh, Bruce Arians pretty candid. He's pretty candid. If they can pound the ground, they're going to go Ronald. And if they got to throw it a little bit, as ugly as it may be, Fournette's going to have a nicer game. Uh, he's got a nice stat here. It looks like seven others have matched the 11 games over 20 fantasy points. It's, it's Henry, Cook, Camara, Monty, James Robinson, you know, RIP, Aaron Jones, and Nick Chubb, okay? Those are elite players. And if you could have any of those single players, you 100% would want them on your team. So um, is there anyone on this team, including Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, that you would want to acquire going forward in Dynasty Leagues, even if it's for a short window, Sam? No. He's out. Brad? I'm out. I want Chris Godwin, something fierce. He, he's one of the few guys that I would significantly overpay for in a league if I thought overpaying could help me win a championship right now. I, I, you've seen what he can do with a quarterback like Jameis two years ago, and now they've got Tom Brady, and if he can stay healthy, they're still going to put up the same number of points as what Jameis and that team did in the first year that Bruce Arians was there. They're going to be a little bit more efficient, and you saw he is the alpha, right? So, so Sammy talks about I, you don't know who's going to get it. Chris Godwin's getting it. Chris Godwin is consistent. Mike Evans is not consistent. Just like Eric said, he puts up 40 or he puts up 12 with two, two catches, two yards and two touchdowns, which he actually did last year. Whereas Chris Godwin's just going to give you that solid floor every game all the way to a top five finish that he did last year. So uh, I'm sorry, in 2019. So, yeah, he was number two, but that was a down year for wide receivers. Yada, yada, yada. Number two, still number two. Who do you think has more fantasy points per game? I'm going to start with Brad, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin. Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette? Ronald Jones. Tom Brady, okay, or Justin Herbert? Tom Brady. All right, let's go to you, Sammy. Who do you think has more points per game this season? Per game, not on a full year. Mike Evans or Chris Godwin? Evans. Ronald Jones, okay, or Leonard Fournette? Ronald Jones. Tom Brady or Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson. Nice. Tom Brady or Justin Herbert? Herbert. 
Nice. Yeah. Anti, anti Brady. Is there anybody on this team? Oh, you already asked you that. You said, no, there, there's a couple of people I want. If you can get Godwin, I've already tried to move Godwin because they have so many mouths to feed. So I offered Godwin for Calvin Ridley straight up. Uh, he already had Mike Evans. So he said that is a non-starter, which is so disappointing. And so then I tried to swap Mike Evans and I was getting way too cute with it. I had to back off. Um, but there are a couple of guys, uh, Sam, you got something for me? Yeah. So, so I want to say all that with, I'm a Bucks fan. Like that's my team grew up in Tampa. So, you know, that's, uh, I don't want any pieces of them and I'm already a fan on top of it. So, um, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, it's, it's the team I watch every week on Sunday. So. Yeah. But you, yeah, to your point, you don't know who's going to go get it each week. Uh, but there are some dirt cheap values. I don't know if I want Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette. I, I acquired Leonard a lot last year in a playoff push. I'm happy to have him. He's one of those running backs on your team that, you know, is only going to have more value in season. He, he's like the best handcuff I can, I can get at a reasonable price because Madison and Tony Pollard are just atrocious. People want actual running backs for them. Uh, Mike Davis is a little elusive for me because he's 28. Um, Melvin Gordon's the same kind of thing. Cream Hunt's always, always finishes in the top 12. So Leonard Fournette's attainable. The one guy I want though is Antonio Brown. And I see you have plugged in here. Would you move Antonio Brown for a third round rookie? Would you just leave him on your team until he retires? All right. So I just want to talk about Antonio for a little bit. In eight games, he only started four of them last year. He had 62 targets, 483 yards, and four touchdowns. Now, a lot of that is that week 17 game where it was a blowout and a route. And another big one was when they played Detroit and they were up by so many, they rested everybody at halftime. So we got some extra run. But Antonio Brown shows he still has the juice. I'm going to gladly trade a third. I actually traded the 401 and 406, like that matters couple of fourth rounders days ago in the rookie draft to go get Antonio Brown. And I couldn't be happier. Uh, would you take a third in 2022 or would you take Antonio Brown, Sam? I'll take Antonio Brown and I'm going to play him until he retires. Bingo. Uh, me too. The, the, the production speaks for itself. Uh, you're taking a flyer on a third round guy and you've got proven production with Antonio. It's easy. It, it feels like a free square. And I, I tried to find this stat because I heard it on a pod and I tried to look it up. They were talking about fantasy points per game and Antonio Brown since 2019 because he had the suspension, then he was in and out, then he played the one game for New England, then he played the eight last year. He's up there. He's up there on the list. So go check him out, uh, inquire about him. Like in a couple other leagues, that I, I inquired and they wanted a second next year, and so that's too much. But if I can give up a flyer, like a third or a couple of fourths, or or somebody on my team that I don't believe in to get Antonio Brown, we just talked about Robbie Anderson. Throw this out there: if I could give up Robbie Anderson for Antonio Brown and something, something of value, not a third, something of value, Antonio Brown and a third for for Robbie Anderson and a second, or or flop that. If I could give up Robbie Anderson and a third for Antonio Brown and a second, I would do it in a heartbeat. I want the I want the something on top, but I do believe Antonio is going to have a very nice year. Uh, let's move on to the last team about the NFC South. This is the New Orleans Saints, man. They got a lot of action. Drew Brees retires. Thank you for your service. It was fantastic to watch. Elvin Kamara's RB1. Mike Thomas is out the whole year, but he was wide receiver one two years ago. There are some absolute dime pieces on this offense, and this is all going to rotate around who the starting quarterback is. I'm going to start with Sam here. I know you got a fan. I know you're a fan of Florida State, but who is going to win this job and why? I think Taysom Hill has been in the offense longer. I'm a Jameis fan. I would let my wife have his children if needed. Love me some Jameis. But uh, <laughs> you guys all right? 
<laughs> but I, I think it's going to be Taysom Hill. Like I said, he's been in that offense longer. Um, if I could get Jameis, would I take him? Yeah, absolutely. In a heartbeat. I, I tried to, uh, I tried to trade for him in a league. Uh, guy was, was, was stuck on Jameis uh, and, and he wouldn't budge, but uh, the, the thing so that we talk about this on hot by happy hour, my, my podcast with a uh, fantasy affair is uh, the, the saints offense is the biggest enigma in all of fantasy football right now. You just don't know what you're going to get. Is Kamara going to end up being a traditional back or is he going to continue to got, be that guy that gets, you know, 80 receptions a year and, and balls out in the passing game as, as well as a rushing game. And, you know, how is Taysom Hill going to affect the, the, the goal line, touches and the goal line touchdowns that traditionally went to Latavius Murray or, or Camara, you know, you, you just don't know how it's going to play out, but I think it's going to be Hill for at least the start of the season. I could see packages where Jameis comes in and I think you might see a little bit of a platoon, but um, yeah, I'd love to see Jameis get a chance. He just, he, he doesn't seem like a guy that fits that, that offensive mold very well. What's you, man? Brad, do you think Jameis or, or Taysom Hill is going to win? That is not the answer I, I expected, man. That is not what I expected. Do you think Taysom or Jameis is going to be the starter for the New Orleans Saints? Yeah, I think Jameis is going to wipe the floor with Taysom at camp. I, I, there's too much arm talent there for Taysom to be able to be able to overtake that Jameis got a year in the system last year. He got to sit behind Drew Brees and watch. He got to pick Drew Brees' brain on the sideline he got to be in the huddle he got to pay attention he got to and this dude is back to work he is serious it's not the Jameis Winston stealing lobster tails or whatever it was a while back you know in his younger days crab legs that's what it was right so you got to believe that this dude's gonna come in with a fire lit up under his ass and take that job and I just think he's the better quarterback and Sean Payton's gonna figure out how to use him and we did see at the end of their playoff run last year, Drew Brees did look at Jameis and said, it's your team now. Is there anything to be taken into the account with that, Sam? Or, or how, you know, what's your response there? Because I know you're a huge Jameis Winston fan. Yeah, so the thing with Jameis is, is you've got to go back and you've got to look at his entire career. And... Yeah, I agree. Hold on, hold on. All right, sorry about that. You've got to go back and you've got to look at his entire career, and that starts at Florida State. The guy was never – a check down quarterback. He always wants to go long. That's not what Sean Payton wants or expects from his quarterback. He's got to be able to check down. He's got to be conservative when needed. And you got to think he had the most accurate quarterback of all time in Drew Brees for the last 12, 13 years behind center that could throw those slants to Mike Thomas. And that is not Jameis Winston's game. You're going to have to revamp that entire offense in order to fit Jameis Winston in there. Now is Taysom Hill, Hill that guy? No, but he's more familiar with the offense right out of the gate. He's already got a huge leg up. You're at, you're going to have to ask Jameis that the comparison I made on hot by happy hour is if you think back to when Mike Vick went to the, the Atlanta Falcons and they tried to Kyle Shanahan or um, Mike Shanahan was the coach and they tried to make him a West coast quarterback. That makes no sense to take somebody like Mike Vick and ask him to throw short underneath passes, read a defense and not risk it at all times. I thought Bruce Arians offense was perfect for him. And if you look at his fantasy numbers, dude, just balled the hell out. He threw 30 picks. Well, all right, that, that happens, but I don't, I, I just question how he is going to fit the mold of a Sean Payton. 
Are you concerned that Taysom Hill's value to the team is so entrenched as being the guy, I'm going to call him a gadget, but he's, he's a jack of all trades. He's the handyman that fixes everything. He'll be your tight end, wide receiver, running back, quarterback. He'll play special teams. Is his importance to the team too much? Because in my opinion, Jameis only has to beat him out a little bit. I mean, Hill has to be so much better at quarterback for them to try and replace that position. Now, they did get a guy named Stevenson last year that they believe is going to fill that role in time. But we know what's going on with Taysom and, and how he plays into the offense. Do you think that that is remotely a factor for who's the starting quarterback, Sam? Yeah, I do. And I agree exactly with what you're saying. Um, you know, Jameis has to just barely beat him out. So, I mean, I mean, I guess the hedging my hedging my argument would be I could see Taysom starting to start the season, get about halfway through, maybe less, and, and then uh, Jameis taking over. I just can't see Jameis stepping in immediately and, and taking the reins. That's just – I just don't see it. I just I, – I can't see anything but that. So that's surprising. I'm going to have to go look. I'm going to have to go look because I, I do respect your opinion. There are a couple of other players on this offense, believe it or not. Alvin Kamara at RB1. I'm assuming we will all still have him as a top five guy uh, going forward, even without the receptions being locked in without Drew Brees. This man's special. Uh, Latavius Murray is his backup. He's fantastic. He's also old. I mean, if you just plug that name in with some of the other greats, Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, we wouldn't even remotely talk about it. Uh, Murray just had a nice role last year when called upon uh, Michael Thomas. Do you think I, I, we're split here on quarterback? So I'm assuming we can both, we can all agree that Michael Thomas is going to get his 140, 150 targets by default. Is there anybody else on the offense that you want to get a piece of? I talked about Traquan Smith repeatedly, right? I want to talk about Adam Troutman and I want to start with Matt, uh, with Sammy down there. Adam Troutman is a guy that they traded away every day three pick to move up and get him they traded away let me give you the actual numbers 130 169 203 244 to get the 105 so they moved up 25 spots to make sure that they could get the trout man so what's his um what is his dynasty outlook going forward we know that jared cook had a role and he's gone they pretty much let everybody go about Troutman. so how are you feeling about this sam yeah i love adam Troutman. uh i made it a point last year to go out and, and grab him in the, the rookie draft. Uh, I think he is going to end up being a damn good fantasy tight end. Uh, like you said, Cook's gone. Uh, you, you've got this guy who was a relative unknown. He played for Dayton. So not a lot of people saw him on Saturdays watching college football, but he is a good athlete. Um, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he ran like a four or five. He's a bigger dude. Uh, you wouldn't expect him to be that athletic. So uh I like Adam Troutman, and I, I think that he's going to get a significant target share. Yeah, he's 6'5", 255, athletic as all get out. And at Dayton, um, he was a receiving threat. But the biggest key here is when Sean Payton goes and gets a guy, he's going to make that guy successful. And in year one, Adam Troutman was actually the number one ranked tight end in the run-blocking scheme. So he's on the field. And on top of that, they do like to use the tight ends. They have very few options there outside of Michael Thomas and Elvin Kamara. I think you, can, you, have, you have a secure floor and a high ceiling, and it's not tough to be a top 10 tight end. So with Troutman included, is there anybody that you're going to target in trades, Brad? Yeah, probably Troutman. That's, that's the guy I've had my eye on. Uh, you got a guy who Sammy talked a little bit about. Not only did he 
play really well and was the top tight end uh, coming out of that class, you know, when you talk about small school tight ends, but he showed out at the senior bowl. That's where his name really hit the map. And you have that question. Okay. Well, he played at Dayton. That's a small school. Okay. Of course he's the top tight end in a small school when he's got 70 catches for 900 and some odd yards. What can he do against top competition? And he balled out. And then, like you said, Eric, they moved all those picks. They moved up. They ended their draft picking this guy. They didn't re-sign Jared Cook. He's off to the L.A. Chargers now, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Is that where he went? Uh, so now you've got that role for him. That's a lot. That's a touchdown machine in Jared Cook. So do we believe that Adam Troutman can do that? And I think the answer to that is yes. I think there's going to be a few years of progression for him, just like you see with every tight end. But I think he's going to turn into that Jared Cook type tight end that the New Orleans Saints have had for a number of years now. Does anybody else want Traquan Smith or am I alone over here? No. <laughs> Sam. I mean, I would take him, but it's got to be for a hell of a value. I mean, he's available on waivers in most leagues. And when, when I'm looking to do trade targets, most of my trade targets are throw-ins. Like if I want Antonio Brown, I'm going to try and make a lateral trade to get in. If I could trade Miles Gaskins for Mike Davis and Antonio Brown, that's ugly as hell. And most other people would take it. That's my kind of deal, right? So Traquan hits hits my radar. They got Michael Thomas outside of that. Marquez Callaway had a nice, I guess, a nice rookie campaign because expectations are so low. Deontay Harris is a punt return. He's like 5'6". He's, he's Rondell Moore without the strength. They got little Jordan Humphrey. Perhaps he's a thing, but I have heard year in and year out that's a six foot two, 210-pound, fast-ass Traquan Smith is going to be fantastic from Drew Brees' mouth, and I've yet to see it. And I felt the same way about Chris Godwin. Um, now, he got his stamp early because Bruce Arians was like, look, man, this, this guy's a stud. We're going to get him the ball. But I want Traquan Smith, man. I want him in the worst way. Uh, let's move on now to the other side of the coin here. That was the South. Let's talk about the North. And let's start with the juiciest of them all. Let's start with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, right? Does anybody here not think that Aaron Rodgers is going to suit up for 18 this season. So I will Crickets. make, a, I, will make a com, I will make okay. a comment. If there's anybody in the NFL who is eccentric enough to just say, screw it, I'm not playing anymore. I'm going to go host Jeopardy. It's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, I think, would leave if he got offered the full-time Jeopardy job because he's just weird enough. Eccentric, huh? I, I would use the word petty. <laughs> what i would go with because he's a little bitch but hey what do i know now he's gonna have to give up about 22 million dollars 11 million of it is already in his in his uh bank account so he's gonna have to fork that back over and give up another 11 million plus his contract um let me preface this by saying i'm a lions fan so it's no there's no surprise that i can't stand the guy and i think everything he does is petty so take that as a grain <laughs> of salt but brad do you think you think aaron Rodgers is going to return to the green bay packers yeah, I, I think it is a matter of money. I think he will come back to Green Bay with a new contract uh, and continue to put up historic numbers because he's one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen uh, play the game. So I do believe he plays a full slate of 17 games and takes Green Bay Packers into the, into the playoffs. All right, man. So under the assumption that he's going to come back, that has got to put – Devonta Adams and Aaron Jones on your radar, right? 
They also go get Amari Rogers in the fourth round, fourth round this year, right? They went corner, they went center. Uh, and maybe it's a third round of Mari Rogers. Um, third round. So, third. so how do you think, because they got to be buys now because Devonta Adams is the wide receiver one last year coming off 18 touchdowns. Aaron Jones was, was five and then number two at the running back position. So are these guys buys for you now, even though you're going to have to pay face value, it's not, they're, they're finally available. Whereas if we knew Rogers was plugged in, we knew he was already at OTAs off season program, the, the voluntary they probably wouldn't be available. So how, how are you feeling about these two? Are you going to actively target them? Yeah, I'm. I, Aaron Jones is one of the guys I was looking to move at the end of last season, right? He's that running back going into a second contract. He had a little bit of uncertainty. Now I, I moved him before Green Bay, even after he re-signed with Green Bay. If I hadn't moved him to that point, I still would have been looking to move him. He's at that age apex that you're looking at. Uh, to really get the top value that you can out of a running back. And do you expect him to continue to be a, a top five, top six running back uh, for a couple more years? I, I don't. I, I think this year, and then you're going to start to see the decline in, in his game. Devonta Adams is an animal. I don't know that it matters if Aaron Rodgers is there or not for him to be a top 10 wide receiver. Now, is he going to put up the season that he put up last year without Aaron Rodgers? Very unlikely, but I don't see a world where somebody as talented as Devontae Adams is not going to be a top 10 wide receiver. So he would still be looking. I would still be looking at trying to acquire him at a slight discount. I just think that's going to be hard to do right now. He's coming off the wide receiver one season with a huge amount of touchdown production. And I don't know that people who have him are going to take the opportunity to sell him a little bit cheaper knowing that that Aaron Rodgers clout is out there right now. The last time we saw Devonta Adams without Aaron Rodgers because Aaron got hurt was 2017. They hit Brent Huntley. All right. I think the kid went to Notre Dame under center, right? UCLA. He finished, Brent Huntley went to UCLA. Yes, sir. Clutch. He finished RB 14, only played 14 games. That is another concern is even though he's consistent as on get out when on the field, is he going to stay on the field between Adams and Jones or both are either one of them going to be trade targets for you, Sam? So they would be trade targets right now with the uncertainty that's going on with Aaron Rodgers. If how, what Brad said, if you can get them at a discount, sure. But I don't think you're going to be able to get them at the discount that, that you would hope. Um, at the end of the day, you know what I said, I still think Aaron Rodgers probably plays, but there, there's a, a greater than 0% chance that he does not. So, you know, that's got to factor into the trade value with him. And, and, you know, if you want to go for it, go for it. You know, throw, throw out that deal that you think may, may get you the guy uh, with the uncertainty around Rodgers. I've been working on an Adams deal forever. The guy had Ridley, and I kept trying to get Ridley, and now Ridley's gone, so... I'm having a tough time because if Aaron Rodgers doesn't return, because I am going to pay face value, uh, I'm going to be in a bad way. But if he does, then you feel fantastic about it. So is there anybody else on this offense outside of those two that you want? Do you, do you want Robert Tunyon? Do you want Amari Rodgers, MVS, St. Brown, Lazard, anybody on this offense? Yeah, I think you want Bob Tunyon. Just yeah. because if you, if, you, if you switch from Aaron Rodgers, they already had a good rapport. So Rodgers and Tunyon did. If you bring in a new quarterback, Jordan Love, or whoever it may be, what's a quarterback's best friend? That's right. It's a tight end. So Bob Tunyon is proven. He catches the ball. He's a red zone target. Uh, I think that's probably a good buy. 
Brad, there anybody on this team you want? Yeah, I mean, out of those guys, it'd be Tanyan. But even him, I'm not really looking to acquire because he, he finished as a tight end four on the back of 11 touchdowns. I mean, the guy had 52 catches for 500 and some odd yards. Uh, that that in itself, you've got to have double-digit touchdowns to, to be relevant. And I'm just not uh, going to bet on those touchdowns again. There's always the slight possibility that he will get more targets to Sam's and then he has the touchdown upside. Sam, what do you got? Yeah, so I would also go after Amari Rodgers. I think his skill set translates to any offense, whether it's Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball or not. He's a, a yak monster. He's uh, very similar to, to Rondell Moore in that he's uh, he's going to catch those underneath routes and he's going to break some things. He's real shifty. Uh, if you watched him his last year at Clemson, he was coming off an ACL injury, so that's probably not a good indication of, of what he can do but his career at Clemson was, was pretty solid as a, a third receiver for most of it. Just catching the ball, making people miss. He's a running back in the open field. Um, I, I think Omari Rogers is a good get. I was really pissed. He got in one of my rookie drafts. He got picked right before me. I got him in the other two. So I was happy about that. Is there any fear that he turns into the next time Montgomery? Because we know they have AJ Dillon. We know they have Aaron Jones. We know they drafted a kid, uh, but could he be put into the running back mold? because he fits that and just be a receiving bag for them, which would be great for the Packers and terrible for fantasy. Any fear of that, Sam? Yeah, I don't really see that. Uh, I, I think they got enough there um, in the, in the backfield with Aaron Jones. I mean, he, he's still a pass catching back too. Um, I, in the future, you know, a couple of years from now, possibly, but you know, looking short term, I don't see it. All right, man, let's go from the Packers to the other relevant team here the minnesota vikings that look like they could be a playoff team with their current makeup uh they're probably the most boring for a podcast because we know what's going on they got Kirk cousins they got thielen they got justin jefferson they got delvin cook they got a nice backup they got irv smith who now has a nice role uh probably carved out for him let's just talk about delvin for a minute is this a little bit like matt riser talked about on the last pod about zekio elliott and how he thinks he's got two solid years and then he'll look to move him but he's not moving him now at all um is, is this somebody who should be looking to cook, uh, keep in Delvin Cook? Is he still a top five fantasy option? Um, and we know that he's under contract through 2025, but those second contracts are kind of, they're kind of made up, man. So, Sam, is Delvin Cook somebody that you're holding on to, going to acquire, or are you trying to flip him if you got him? I'm trying to acquire him. I think he's still got another two, three years left in him. Um, the, the dude's a beast. I'm biased. I will say that off the, off the top because he's a Florida State guy, but, oh, man, I, I love me some Delvin. And you get him in the right offense, the one-cut uh, zone blocking scheme, and the guy is dynamic. He he hits a hole so damn hard. Uh, he runs so hard. Uh, he's fast as shit. Uh, yeah, I, I love Dalvin. I would love to have him. He's uh, uh, actually one of the pieces that's involved in that Sam Darnold, Derrick Henry trade that I was referencing early, uh, earlier trying to, trying to acquire. So, Bradley. Yeah, I'd do the same thing. I, I would be looking to acquire this guy, and I did in one league. I moved DeAndre Swift uh, for Dalvin Cook in a league, and I, I was ecstatic about it. Uh, so I, he's a guy who can do everything. He's a guy that doesn't need to come off the field. He's a guy that I think has RB1 overall upside. If he can see just an a slight uptick in his receptions, I think it's hands down this dude's the the RB1 overall uh, this year even. Ooh. You're looking at a guy who can easily run for 15 1600 yards, 
double-digit touchdowns, much like he did this year. If he can just get into that 60-catch range and some receiving touchdowns, that's where he's he's limited a little bit, right? When you look at the Saquons and the CMCs of the world, those guys that are RB1 finishes, they're doing it on the back of a lot of receptions and a lot of receiving touchdowns as well. And that's the one thing. You look, he's had 40 catches, 53 catches, 44 catches. And then the touchdown department, two zero and one that's where i think if he can start to see a little bit more of that uptick in receiving touchdowns it's possible that he's even better i think adam thielen aging a little bit may give him some more of that red zone opportunity to where maybe he is gonna start to see a few more receptions in the red zone and a few more opportunities to score touchdowns so we we preach repeatedly when they get on that second contract this is look look like the time to get out right And so you don't necessarily just want to take one of those rookies like Swift straight up, even though it's a bold strategy, you want to get something on top. So nobody's worried about the second contract or the injury history. Is that what I'm hearing? Nope. Not right now. All right, Sam, I know you had something you wanted to say. What's up? Yeah. So the weird part about Dalvin's receiving numbers is, is that he is a very good receiving back. If you looked at him in college, he just killed it as a, as a receiver screens, Mm -hmm. wheel routes. It didn't matter. He, he could split out wide and, and beat a, a third corner or a safety off the line of scrimmage. I think it's a scheme thing. I think it's a hundred percent a scheme thing in Minnesota. And I don't think it's something that's going to change unless they change their entire offensive philosophy. We got two quick hitters for you here because we're talking about pass catchers, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson are the two there. Uh, Irv Smith. I just want to give a little shout out. He's worth acquiring it as a tight end because you need to be the first or second option. And if you're the third, you can still sneak into the 10. And I think he'll be the second before long, but uh, last year, wide receiver 10, wide receiver six. So Kirk Cousins, even though he's knocked as a fantasy quarterback and an NFL quarterback, does produce for his his weapons, man. So it's written in the show sheet. I'm going to ask, who do you have scoring more points, Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson? We'll start with Brad. Hey, it's got to be Justin Jefferson. I think the big reason is Adam Thielen was what I think wide receiver 10 or 11, but that was on the back of 14 touchdowns in total. And I don't know that that's repeatable. Whereas Justin Jefferson was just a yardage monster last year. So I'm going to go Justin Jefferson. How about you, Sam? Same. Over under seven wins, Sam. Under. Brad. Over. Fair enough. There we go. We got something to watch. Let's move on to my Detroit Lions here. We got DeAndre Swift. We trade away Matthew Stafford for a slew of picks and Jared Goff. Uh, we fire our coach. We hire the the kneecap biting Dan Campbell. Anthony Lynn is now our, our offensive coordinator. TJ Hawkinson's still there. Most of our wide receivers have flipped over. We have Rashad Perriman, Tyrell Williams. Uh, we do get Amon Ross, St. Brown in the draft and, and a couple guys that were undrafted. Oh, come on ace all acc what the hell is his name i've talked about him like six times all acc wide receiver undrafted we scooped him up off waivers sage sage Surratt. thank you uh let's talk about the lions real quick because this is a hot topic i mean jared goff is who he is we do draft the left tackle to give him a little more time are there any are there any receivers on this team that we actually want to go get perryman tyrell williams i'm on raw even anybody at all because we know they're going to be trailing we know they're going to have to throw the ball but it's going to be an anemic offense uh, same is there anybody you're targeting at all at any value yeah i actually like uh terrell williams i think he's got the uh, he's got the history especially with anthony lynn uh played for him had a thousand yard season it was all the way back in 2016 so it's a long time ago but he's had some injury history here in the uh the last couple of years that have really limited him 
Uh, I, I think that Terrell Williams can do well. And I'm not talking wide receiver too. I'm talking flex play. Um, you know, a guy maybe you stash on your bench and when you hit the buys, you, you play him. I think Terrell Williams can do well. He's, he's got a good skill set. He's big. Um, he's, he's the type of target that, that Jared Goff, I think, would, would like. How about you, Brian? I want whoever the slot guy is. That's who I want. I don't know if that's going to be a Brashad Perriman or a Tyrell Williams because they're they're those down-the-field threats, right? You're looking at nine-plus yards per catch, 17, 18-plus yards per touch. Uh, so I'm looking for somebody. Are they going to put potentially put Quintess Cephas in there? Are they going to put Amon Ross St. Brown in the slot? Because I see Jared Goff as the guy who's going to target the slot. That's what he's done his entire career in L.A., and I think that's what he's going to continue to do. So I am probably going to go with Amon Ra uh, being the guy that, potentially unseats Quintez Cephas from his starting role. And he's, he's going to be the guy that I go after filling that slot role. Yeah. I think that, I think that's, mm, I don't know. It's a little more risque than the other, because he's going to be a mid round second this year. That's where he's going in, in um, rookie drafts. And, and the other guys are pretty much free. I mean, you talk about a throw in, you can, you can have anybody you want off my bench. If you just give me a third. So uh, let's talk about DeAndre Swift here. Is he going to have a top 10 finish? We know he's he's in line for probably 100 targets from Jared Goff. We've talked about the Anthony Lynn connection. I love that you brought up he played for the Chargers with Anthony, Anthony Lynn uh, for Tyrell Williams. I'm going to take another look, put out a couple bids there. Uh, but let's focus on Swift and Goff and the connection there. Do you think DeAndre Swift will be a top 10 fantasy finisher? I know that Brad does, so let's go to Sam. Yeah, so if he's top 10, I'm thinking it's like 9 or 10. And think about some of these running backs that are ahead of them. CMC, Barkley, Kamara, Henry, Dalvin, Elliott, Chubb. So I've already named you seven right off the top. So that's why I think his his ceiling is going to be that, that nine or ten range. I'm going to say no just because you've already got seven down at this point, and that's obviously barring injury. Um, but that doesn't mean that DeAndre Swift – shouldn't be somebody you're looking to acquire. I, I think that he can thrive in that uh, in that offense. You look at some of the things that Anthony Lynn did uh, with, with the Chargers, you know, um, Eckler was, was a great receiving back, uh, a lot of targets there. You know, if he uses them the same type of way, then you're, you're looking at that receiving upside that we talked about earlier. Now, he did say that Jamal Williams is his prototypical A back or whatever the hell that means. Right. It does not mean A, B is one, two. They use a lot of different lingo, especially when they're trying to throw people off and, and planning a game plan. But he will have a role, uh, Jamal Williams, that is. So Swift might be split out wide. He might be in the flex. They might be in motion. Is this is there any fear that this is a Miles Sanders kind of situation, Brad, where, where he's going to end up RB 15 and then fall a little? And you're hoping that in year three, there's a breakout, right? Because you're hoping that things develop and break the right way. And then how much do you want to bet on a year three back that hasn't quite lived up to expectations? I just think he's too talented to, to be in that situation. Anthony Lynn is too good of an offensive mind to put them in that situation. I could see it being more of a Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler type situation where you saw them be able to produce both backs good fantasy numbers now i don't think those skill sets from melvin gordon and austin eckler translate to deandre swift and jamal williams but you see him execute 
two running backs in a scheme in the past. So does he look to do that again? I just think Swift's too talented to be relegated to the bench by Jamal Williams. Not that Jamal Williams is not a good, solid NFL running back, but DeAndre Swift is fantastic. Fantastic. Sam? Yeah, yeah. so the other thing that you got to think about, and I mentioned earlier about the – where somebody came from Dan Campbell came from the saints. So, you know, think about what the saints did. We're talking a lot about Anthony Lynn as the offensive coordinator, Dan Campbell's got that same philosophy where he wants to get the running backs involved in the passing game as well. So I I really think you're going to see Deandre Swift get a lot more targets in the offense that Detroit runs uh, than what you probably expect. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. There's just when, he was with the Chargers. They had Phillip Rivers, okay? So they had a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. They had a nice offensive line. Um, and they had receiving weapons that could – they're going to go man coverage against the Lions every single play, and nobody's going to be open anyways. Let's talk about TJ Hawkinson, man. Do you think he can break into the top three? And if so, who falls out of it? Because we already had Kyle Pitts anointed. We got Kittle. We got Kelsey. I still love Waller. Is there any world where TJ breaks into the top three, and do you think it's going to happen? Let's start with Brad. Yes, I think it does, and I think there's a potential that Kittle is the one that falls out. Okay, Sam? No, no chance. I don't think he's top five. You don't think he's top five? That's right. I mean, pure volume would say that he's probably got a shot at it, right? He's got a shot, but yeah, yeah I don't, everybody I don't think does. I don't, yeah, I don't think he's going to be top five. Fair enough, man. Let's move on here to the Chicago Bears, the last team on our list. They take Justin Fields straight up to get him at 10. They still have Allen Robinson. Hey, Darnell Mooney looks like a nice prospect. Anthony Miller's still there. David Montgomery is the running back. He was RB4 last year on a total. Um, Tariq Cohen comes back. Damian, Damian Williams, they sign. What are, what are realistic expectations for the Bears as far as fantasy? Who's going to be a top 10 option at the running back wide receiver position? Uh, let's start there before we unpack when does Justin Fields take over? Because even if Andy Dalton's the quarterback, we don't expect anybody to struggle outside of Andy Dalton, right? Yeah, no, def- definitely not. I mean, Allen Robinson, to me, though, is that top 10 guy. I don't see a world where he's not top 10. I, it, it just volume, touchdowns, upside, and we'll get into Justin Fields here in a little bit. So I just see a world where he gets to put together one of his best seasons since his sophomore when he had 1,400 yards and double-digit touchdowns. I see that within the realm of possibility. He's in his prime, and he is one of the best wide receivers in the game. David Montgomery, I think, is overrated. Overrated. Now, volume is going to push him up the rankings, right? He's going to get volume. Some of that passing work now that Tariq Cohen is back and assuming he's healthy, that's going to go away. Much of his RB4 finish, if you don't pay attention, came in those last five or six games where he was just getting astronomical carries. He was still not super productive. And if you look at that, the defenses that he played, they were pitiful. He played bottom feeder teams those last six games. So if you're the David Montgomery owner, you're already behind the curve in trying to move him after that stellar season because you're not going to get that production again. 
Why would you say you're behind the curve? I'm sorry. Is it bad to have the best stretch of your career right before the fantasy playoffs? Like, when did that happen? No, no, no. They should have sold him at the end of the season, not waited until now the draft is done and everything's moved and everything's settled. You needed to follow that hype up of those six games. How about you, Sammy? Do you you, uh, continue the David Montgomery, uh, I want to call it slander, but it's probably fair. Who is a top 10 guy? Uh, before we unpack the quarterback position. Yeah, so I agree with with Brad, unfortunately. Uh, you know, the, the David Montgomery thing, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll run off the list of, of defenses since Brad was nice enough to uh, hook us up with them. Green Bay, Houston, Jacksonville, Minnesota, Detroit. That's who he played his, for his closing stretch, and those are not good defenses. So I, I think it's a bit of a mirage what he did leading up to the, the playoffs. So I hear what you're saying. Hey, you want a guy on a hot streak, but at the same time, it's, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. You got to understand who he's playing against and who he put those numbers up against and sell high. I mean, that's the thing in dynasty, right? You want to sell high when you think that the, the market has shifted on somebody irrationally. And, and that's the situation that Montgomery's in. The market has shifted on him because of that last six game stretch that he had to boost him up to RB4. I think that that Al, I've loved Allen Robinson for years. I think Allen Robinson is fantastic. Um, I, I think he was screwed by having Mitchell as his, his quarterback. Mitchell, not Mitch, by the way. And, uh, yeah, I, I've, I would love to buy Allen Robinson in every one of my leagues. I think he's going to break out, especially when Justin Fields hits a field. Absolutely. Let me, just, let me just talk about Montgomery for a minute, okay? Because he was a buy for me last year, halfway through the season, and a sell in the offseason. I wasn't able to sell him in the offseason because everybody in the fantasy community thinks they're an oracle and they've all caught up. Everybody's, everybody's shit comes out too early, and so it's too late, right? You had your nice run. So I wait for the, the schedule to come out. And he's, again, if I can buy him in the leagues that I don't already have him, I'm going to. Let's see, week 9, 49ers. Week 10, the Steelers. Week 11, the Ravens. From that point on, we're talking about gearing up for the playoffs. Lions, Cardinals, Packers, Vikings, Seahawks, Giants, Vikings. Give me some of that. The schedule is just as easy. I mean, you open with the Lions and a must-win than the Cardinals. Green Bay does not stop the run. They might have addressed the cornerback situation, but they don't stop the run. The Vikings are the same crap. You face the Seahawks. That's terrible. But if you make it to the final, you get those Giants. Okay, so – David Montgomery is right back on my, if you can sell him now, do it. And halfway through the season, go get him for whatever the hell, whatever the hell they want. It'll be like a first or a second or some crap like that in the future. Um, Allen Robinson's a stud muffin. So let's break down the quarterback position. They got Aaron, uh, Sam Darnold. They, no, they don't. They got Andy Dalton, the, the new, the old Breaking Sam him. Darnold, right? <laughs> Who he is a winning quarterback. He did bring the Bengals, the playoffs, I think like six times, never won the game. Right. Uh, they think they can win 10 games with him, but they do trade up to get fields. I think that was more so they were like, holy shit, he's still there, right? He's still there. Carolina didn't take him. Denver didn't take him. We got to inquire about him. Uh, so whoever it is will have weapons, right? Who do you? Th- when do you think Justin Fields takes over? Because we, we have to assume if it's not this year, it's in the next offseason, but I got to think it's this year. What week do you think Justin Fields takes over? Um, and then, you know, what are your expectations for him as a fantasy football player going forward with his, his, his arm strength and his mobility, but his lack of starts in college, even though he was fantastic. Let's start with Sam. 
Yeah, so I think he starts uh, – the bye is week nine. I think he starts either week 10 or week 11, and that's right around Thanksgiving. So they play the Sunday game, and then they follow it up that Thanksgiving Thursday. So I think he, he either starts that Sunday or you see him on Thanksgiving. And I think that gives them enough time to prep and where they're going to feel comfortable with him in the offense. What do I think of Justin Fields? Love him. He was my QB two, and it was a very close QB two to, uh, to Trevor Lawrence. He is unbelievable. So I'm a, I'm a college guy. Uh, that's my, my passion is college football. And I also follow recruiting and arm talent translates all the way from a high end high school guy all the way up to the NFL. You can follow some of these guys and just track their progression as they went from the high school level. And Justin Fields was right up there with Trevor Lawrence, throw for throw in the Elite 11s. Uh, they were one, two in the recruiting rankings overall, not just as quarterbacks. Justin Fields is fantastic, and he adds a dimension with his legs that people don't expect. And, and you think he's a smaller quarterback. We had this talk on Hot by Happy Hour where – the guys just assumed that he was a smaller quarterback in the Kyler Murray mold. He's not. He's 6'3". He's 2'10", 2'15". He's a bigger guy, but he's got wheels. He's got mobility. He can run, he can run the ball. He can scramble to, to get time and throw it. He, I, I love Justin Fields. Absolutely love him. Uh, if, if he was available at 104 when Brad offered me that trade that, that we talked about earlier, I would have taken him instead of Kyle Pitts. I, just I, was actually, I was actually in a dynasty league where I thought I was going to get Najee Harris at the four. So I, I, I made a trade. I made a trade. I, I gave up. I feel like it's a smash, right? I gave up Dobbins, the seven and Michael Pittman for Kittle in the four thinking I'll just go get Najee. And then Justin Fields falls in my lap at the four. So I'm like, what the hell? I don't need to I'm I'm loaded. I'm loaded. I need a running back now. Cause I just get let Dobbins go. So I take fields. No one wants him. I was like, this is the only league. I will ever be in where literally nobody wants Justin Fields. They all think he's a bust. It's going to be. You got an orphan? Be... You got an orphan in that league? Because I'll, I'll pick it up and we can trade it. <laughs> yeah, we can make a deal, right? <laughs> Five seconds in. Yeah, I paid. I paid before I got here. Yeah, it's done. Um, so, Brad, why don't you talk to me about Justin Fields when you think he'll take over if he does, uh, and then I'll close it out. And we'll, we'll play a fun little game here with Sam because Sam, Sam Gordon is our cigar guy. We got our bourbon guy. Right, right. I'm your shit talker, or your host, whatever the hell you want to call it. We got our cigar guy, our cigar guy here. So, um, talk to me about Justin Fields so we can wrap this up. Yeah, I won't reiterate all the arm talent stuff, right? He was my QB two coming out of the draft as well. But I'm going to go a little hotter uh, on the take here, and I think he takes that job in camp. This dude's going to come into camp with a chip on his shoulder. He saw guys who have lesser resumes go ahead of him. Uh, he saw himself potentially falling to where Mac Jones could have been taken ahead of him. This guy is super talented and he's going to be coming to work The And I'm a, I'm a hedger of bets, right? I've been told that a million times. I don't know if I trust Matt Nagy to make the right decision, which is put Justin Fields on the field, on the field in week one, because he's the best option for you to win right now. He can do everything. He can make every throw. Andy Dalton was underwhelming last year, and he had a much better offensive team than what he's going to have in Chicago. So I, I think Justin Fields should and will start week one. We know that whoever Matt Nagy thinks can win the game will start week one because he's going to call the plays. That's why he let the coordinator go. Right? Uh, they open up with the Rams 
That's tough, man. And you need a quarterback to run the offseason program. That is Andy Dalton. He's a, he's a professional. He's, he wins. He wins. Whether you like him or not, he wins. And he did it with the Bengals. So they open with the, with the Rams. So I think Dalton will start week one. Then they have the Bengals and the Browns. So are they going to ride out Dalton knowing they're going to get blown out week one, right? God forbid they win. I don't think that they're going to just immediately quit on him because he called him the starter and he's got the stupid pride thing. So I think they will be 0-1. Then they'll play the Bengals and the Browns. They'll win one of those. So then you start going through the season. You're like, are you going to swap them after you lose to the Browns? Like you hope they get blown out and Justin Fields can hit the, hit the field because one, two, three, four, five, six, week seven. Okay. We, week nine's a bye. Week seven. Say they, they play the Lions and the Raiders will probably win that, get blown out by the Packers. Week seven, they play the Bucks, the Niners, the Steelers in seven, eight, nine. Then there's a bye week. Then they play the Ravens. So do you really want to give your young quarterback the reins in that stretch of game? Bucks, Niners, Steelers, Ravens. Like that's that's a gauntlet, Sam. Yeah, that's why I hedged my bet with the either the Sunday, which is the Ravens, or the Thursday game. Because you prep you prep him up through the bye week, past the, the the Ravens game, for that Thursday Thanksgiving game, with the thought that he's going to start that game. And and it's easier to play the thing the Thursday game. They first of all they play the Lions, so you got to like that. You at least have a shot, right? You at least have a shot. Even if Jeff Driscoll's your quarterback, you got a shot to win on Thanksgiving. Um, and then because it's a short week, no, you can't prep him as much. No, you can't install as much, but you're not going to because it's his first start, right? So it's better because the defense can't prep for him at all because they didn't know he was going to start, and Nagy will probably act like he doesn't know who the starter is until Thursday at 8 a.m., even though they do. And then you don't have to install a large game plan because when you play those quick turnarounds, especially on a holiday like Thanksgiving, it's kind of like backyard football. It's kind of like you will do at your Thanksgiving game, and I can't wait to have the full fantasy affair on for another Thanksgiving edition where we, we talk sides and movies and trash all at the same time. But it, I think that's where he takes over. Thanksgiving, November 25th. I think that's where Fields takes over. Does that then, – then that scares me for Allen Robinson going down the stretch. I still have faith in the man. But when a, when a rookie takes over halfway through the season – He's going to look to execute the offense. He's not going to look to get the ball to one guy. So that's got me iffy, and it's got me loving David Montgomery because they're going to give him 30, 32 carries until, he, until the wheels fall off. So that's how I see this playing out, man. Well, let's let's close this out with our, our nice little game here. We've got Sammy on as our guy, our cigar guy. That's the second time I did it. I got to quit drinking IPAs this late at night. Um, we'll play a little game, right? Winner gets a cigar of his choice. We're going to keep track on the website. That is fffaffair.com where you can find all our works, all our articles. We just had a great article by Britt Sanders at the FF Sandman about whether or not, you know, Josh Jacobs is a bust. Like he breaks it down in a way that allows you to make your own choice, even though he kind of leads you in the right direction. So let's do this game, Brad, you, you outline this, even though you're playing it, why don't you tell us the outlines of this game? Yeah, so it's really just – I found some interesting information around the number of NFC wide receivers that are finishing in the top ten just year after year after year. The NFC just seems to be producing those top ten wide receivers. You look at 2019 and 2020, they had eight wide receivers in the top ten. So I just want to see if we believe that this this stigma is going to continue into 2021 and just – 
How many wide receivers do we think finish in a PPR league in the top 10 from the NFC? And I'll start to, to give you guys kind of some time to formulate your thoughts, think through some wide receivers. Um, I'm going to go with six. And this is pretty low when you look at the – in terms of the numbers over the last four years or so. It's, it's pretty much near the bottom of the list. Uh, but I'm going to go with DK Metcalf. And, and it's just the number. I'm just telling you who my, my – No, I think we, we need to kind of do this. Okay. We need to kind of do this. NFC, how many from the NFC period? Oh, it's not just these two? Oh, you're crazy. All right, yeah, let's do this. I, yeah, I, I misunderstood it too. Yeah, I thought it was oh. just the two divisions that we just broke down. Oh, Bradley. no, 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 no. This, no, no, no. When we talked about the other this two divisions why. on if Thursday, you cheat, right? We're closing you will out win. the NFC. If you cheat, hey. you will win. Give me your six, DK. Nice job catching up. Yeah. I'm going to go DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, DeAndre Hopkins, and Devontae Adams. All right, Sammies, we scramble for time right now. I'll tell you, I had six already. I had six already. So I got to go eight, okay? I'm going to give you DK. I'm going to give you Ridley. I think those are locks. I'm going to give you Hopkins and Adams, right? So that's four. So four, four are pretty much locked in, man. Um, it, and so I don't know if it's going to be Godwin or Mike Evans. It'll be one of them. It's right? funny because I put Godwin slash Evans and just made the call real quick. It'll be, it'll be <laughs> one of them. Um, I'm also going to go with Godwin because I think he has he, – he's got security there, right? He's got a security blanket, but I know one of them will be top 10. I wouldn't even be shocked if it was Antonio Brown. Um, I'm going to go, oh my goodness, I have to give you eight. One, two, three, four, five. Um, I'm going to go, I think Allen Robinson's going to fall out. My goodness, this is tough. Why didn't you just do the one side? Vikings, I'm going to go you Justin Jefferson. Okay. I think there's no way he doesn't finish top 10. All right, so that puts me at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, cut the Bears out. The Saints. I'm gonna I'm gonna put Michael Thomas in there. Is that your eight? That's eight. That's oh seven. no, that's, that's seven. seven. That's seven. Then I'm gonna do some research, but I think it's gonna be eight. Sammy, how you feeling? So I got six that I feel good about, but I can't go with the same number as Brad. <laughs> I, can, I tell I you what i've got one that i ended up pulling out at the last minute and i can change mine to seven if you want to stick with six. Oh no 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 i've got it because I've, i think I've, mine's kind of a hot take this other guy anyway so. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go i'm gonna go hot take it, it's, right. pro it's probably the same hot take you got so i had dk evans adams ridley hopkins jefferson those are pretty solid for me and i'm gonna go hot take McLaurin. Ooh. It was close. He was on my list, but he was, uh, I moved him off beforehand. I like that one, though. That's a good one. Who, Andy's, who's your hot Andy's who's jumping your... all up and down. I think Amari Cooper's got the chance of being in there. Ooh, yeah. Well, see, the problem is so you got CD there, too. So yep. how, how's it, how it going to split? Yeah, we talked a little bit about that last show. So. All right, so so what happens with the uh, the winner here? 
All right, so whoever the winner is, and we, and it's just the numbers, right? We we talk names, but the number is the only thing that matter. And we're looking those are the, at six, those are the tiebreakers. Six, seven, and eight. Six. Oh, he went with seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, he added goodness. seven. So oh, six, all I have seven, to do is eight. have eight. So somebody's That's winning. Fantastic. Uh, but all they get to do, they get to pick a cigar, and whoever the two losers are are going to buy that cigar for the individual. Uh, bring it to them. Uh, I don't know. What maybe they're maybe the expo next year when we when we attend the 2022 fantasy football expo. Uh, you know, in Canton, Ohio. So hey, can I get can I give a uh, cigar shout out real quick? Absolutely. So uh, if you're looking for cigars, uh, I told you you can hit me up on Twitter, but you can also hit up bestcigarprices.com. They got a promo code, Sammy Claus, 10% off anything that you uh, you order on the site. Uh, give that promo code out on a hot by happy hour. But uh, yeah, I want to give that to uh, to our, our regular Fantasy Affair listeners as well. Sammy Claus, 10% off, best cigar prices. Fantastic, man. Yeah, that's why you're, you're, you are sir, our cigar guy. Uh, just for anybody that cares, my eighth guy, I'm going to put Robert Woods in there. Um, I'm, I'm going to get jiggy with it. I think Matthew Stafford's going to carry a top 10 guy. There are there some other options. I think eight is pretty fair because Kenny Galladay's shit, but who who knows? They're going to be losing by so much. Uh, but that's going to wrap up our, our breakdown of the NFC. Um, we're going to be joined on Thursday. It'll drop on Friday by Garrett Vienna. That is at FF Goldmine. He is the writer for our ride or die series along. He does a lot of things. He does a lot of things for us, man. We're going to talk our cornerstone rankings and we're going to do like a, a nice little fantasy draft where we break down everybody from 2018, 19 and 20. And we put them all in a pool and we start drafting our team off who we think we would build our team around. Now, some people build off vets, some people build off of youth. Some people build with draft picks, but we're just going to put 2018, 19 and 20 into a bunch and we're going to draft out of it. All right. We're going to get out of here tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, I am at Eric Burkholder six joined as always by at FF bourbon dude. And tonight we were, we were proud to bring on at Samuel underscore Gordon on Twitter. Sam, you got any closing thoughts for us? No, thanks for having me on guys. I really appreciate it. Hit, up, I, hop by, hit, up, hit up hop by happy hour. You can find that on the website, www.fffair.com. It's going to be right under the, fantasy football affair radio network uh tab be sure to check it out uh have a great night thanks for listening cheers guys see you fellas Bye. Bye.